Good evening, all you creatures of the night. This is Matt Johnson here, and I'm coming at you before the full-length episode here starts just to give you a quick plug of our recent episode coming out on Halloween. We will be releasing an episode this October the 31st where all of us discuss the latest Halloween movie, the 2018 by David Gordon Green, written by Danny McBride, starring Jamie Lee Curtis again, and John Carpenter doing the score. We all went out and saw it and did a full-length episode, and we will be releasing that on Halloween. So please stay tuned. I know we've been doing an episode a day, Halloween Horror, but on that day we'll give you a full-length episode reviewing the latest Halloween movie in the franchise. Alright, back to the show. The clock reads 3.15 a.m. The house is still. The kids are put in bed, and you are fast asleep in your new home near the river. You hear a commotion, a soft rustling across the hall. You slide out of the bed to see what is the matter. So when you enter the room, a swarm of flies are buzzing around a window, and a crucifix on the wall is now turned upside down. A large crash comes from downstairs. You race down the steps to see the front door burst open, and the basement door is knocked from its hinges. You peer down the stairwell, cold draft runs up your spine and a soft red glow radiates from beneath the stairs. This is It Records. Welcome all you creatures of the night to the It Records podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts here as always, uh, Matt Johnson. I don't know why they made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to hog all the spotlight because you think you're hot shit because you got your own segment for the whole month. Damn, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I am. Mm-hmm. I've been pretty religious it's about that. It's been good. That, it's been good. Halloween home. Yeah. Except for that four or five day hiatus, but for I mean, the most part. Good reason you had I, your I, appendix uh, ripped yeah. out of your body. Yeah. Nothing stops the podcast, though. It always, must go it always records. Yeah, yeah right? Uh, that would have been good. I should have had some pre-recorded and just <laughs> yeah. ready to just go. Just like what? Like to release on a time. Who was doing it? It. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Damn, perfect opportunity. What was you I thinking? You fucked up. I did. And so did my <laughs> appendix. But... It just pooped out of your body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how the surgery works. But anyways, back to something not as exciting as you're getting your appendix ripped out. <laughs> right. Um, this week we did a 1979 film. I'll leave you with that. But before I go there, I was just wondering if uh, Pete, you might have had a creepy headline that you wanted to discuss <laughs> at all before uh, going into I this did. movie. Uh, I, I can't oh, okay, find it. Okay. <laughs> but it was it was the the true story or true in quotation marks of the real Amityville horror story. And basically I'll give you a recap of what it said. Everything it said is everything we knew that happened in the movie. So the movie followed the story pretty good. So I would imagine as from the book. And then I think uh, the most interesting, like, little I- information they had was that the killer, the original killer that killed his family, 
claimed to hear voices like they said in the in the movie, but then he changed his story. So he's just like it kind of like creates more falsehood behind this family story because like the dad was like kind of into the occult, and they kind of like made like a little reference to that in the movie like oh you changed your religion for her like I was like what does that mean. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was the gist of the... The story was, like, not really intriguing. It was just, like... as was basically, like, just seeing, like, a recap of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Um, I guess the, the real-life event was pretty... Almost scene for scene. I haven't, you know, read the book, per se, which it's based on. But it seems very faithful the original story like to the team and didn't they like they went on like talk shows didn't they like in the 70s they went like i don't know if they went on oh god what's his name jimmy no what's his Wait, name the, late night <laughs> the, show? the old tonight johnny show carson. yeah with the old ton- johnny carson tried to make a little bit of a career out of it yeah little little 15 minutes in limelight it seemed like I mean not only with that know if the story is true or not but there's like seven sequels I feel like they tried to cash in on this on this event as much as they could mm-hmm. but I don't think they get they don't get that money do they it I, I'd have to look into it I'm, I'm sure they get a lot from the book and from the first movie because the book is based on I mean sorry the first movie is based on the book which is theirs. Um, but I think they probably have to sell some of the rights to the studios because that's, it's it's, yeah. that's, it's still using the characters or using the story from the original. So it might not be like the whole pie per se, but you, you get some royalties for it. They get some dividends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of house they don't build anymore. A relic of a time when the world wasn't in such a hurry, when there was still time for a little charm and elegance. It has stood empty for a long while, and at the price, it is a bargain. For a growing young family, it is almost too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, in the Amityville Horror. God's peace in this house.
28 days after the Lutz family moved into their dream house. They were running for their lives. What happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget. And you will believe in the Amityville horror. From the best-selling book that made millions believe in the unbelievable, the Amityville horror. describe this movie to someone who hasn't seen it I just feel like it's a lot of stuff that happens that's a lot of ghostly stuff he sees some things he gets angry and then they leave <laughs> again a very so anticlimactic sorry. ending yeah we're talking about James Brolin here the father of Thanos mm-hmm. yeah the one and only Josh Brolin yeah. <laughs> and then you got Lois Lane in the other corner Margot Kidder mm-hmm. who is also, one of another movies that we did, Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that's pretty cool to see her again. Yeah. Then you had a bunch of twins, I think, that were up to shenanigans that we didn't really see a whole lot. You're of. talking about the boys, the two, the two. Sons? Yeah, they're yeah. just like, yeah, who like reeled a fish on their sister, who was like talking to a ghost. Yeah. Jody the <laughs> ghost. Yeah. What kind of name is Jody for a ghost? I feel like it's got to be like an older name, like Agatha or something. Yeah. Or like, I don't know. I can't think of ghostly names. Yeah. Jody seemed pretty modern, Ger- I feel like, for that. Yeah. Well, I guess. Well, I don't know. It was the year before. Yeah. It was like, it was probably like the youngest from the year before. Because they only moved. It was like not even a year. Yeah. They moved in the house. They're like, they bought it super reduced price. $80,000 for... 1970 whatever money yeah seems like a lot i don't know i don't have eighty thousand dollars to drop at a lakeside house a haunted lakeside house that's true he has a boat he does have a boat in his own business that i couldn't tell you what it is no i couldn't either he has a van yeah and then he has to do payroll because he got in trouble for not doing payroll but couldn't tell you what how he makes that money but he owns the business um. i would feel like it's a physical labor job because that's why you would have a van that has your logo on it yeah i don't know like a like like a lumber thing i don't know he seemed to be knowing a lot about lumber since he was chopping it the whole i was getting that vibe from him as well what was i that, was Lindsay? getting that similar kind of vibe from him so it's a safe yeah. assumption he seemed good with his hands. I don't know. <laughs> he seemed like an outdoors guy. Yeah, he even fucking hit his wife like a jerk. Several times. And then, <laughs> you remember later in the movie, he's like, I would never hurt you. I'm like, you fucking liar. You just smacked her in the face. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like an abuser would say. I would never hurt you, and then do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the end, I think we're supposed to sympathize with him. Well, all of them, because they leave the house. Yeah. I'm never sure, like, when he was possessed, or if he wasn't possessed at times. 
it seemed like he was like in process of being possessed because he just looked not well the entire time he was always cold Mm -hmm. and he fell and i mean at the end of the movie he fell in that like pool of blood i guess i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know what the fuck was going on with that other dimension to hell or whatever i guess what it was implying but he saw his like reflection of himself because he looks like the killer for some reason Mm -hmm. i didn't get that i didn't get that angle at all they're like oh a year ago i could have sworn you're the same guy at the bar i was like what the fuck is happening (laughs) (laughs) yeah they they tried to make it seem that connection didn't need to be made i feel like if if the if the house is haunted or something some supernatural element lives there you didn't need to have the person look like the past killer who lived there it could have just been like there are spirits here they're evil they even show they even show the news article when she's going through it and it looked exactly like her husband i'm like why why are you doing this right now i'm very confused yeah. <laughs> and just just have the evil spirits possess whoever lives there and they must kill or something or drives them crazy the evil stepfather yeah <laughs> the old cliche I wonder when that started. Like I like cuz like there's those stepfather movies from like the 80s. Yeah. But there's always been the evil stepmother. Yes. Forever in like fairy tales Since and like Cinderella. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And like Snow White and stuff. Point. So it's always kind of the other, which is something with like, you know, horror or it's a, it's unfamiliar to your comfortability and this person's coming in. So you could easily make that as an ominous present, the stepmother, the stepfather. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think the stepfather is more modern, I guess. That's exactly what I was Yeah, thinking. I would say, I would agree yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stepmother has more of a, like, uh, like you said, like a fairy tale kind of like angle to it where like stepfather kind of brings it into like a physical, like threatening way. Because, like, it usually, like, involves children. And, of course, like, a grown-ass man's going to be over to overpower them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially Thanos' dad. So. Yeah, it's, yeah. He's even stronger than a snap of a finger, so. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and I'll, I'll bring this up. When he's got, he chops a lot of wood in this movie. But when he tries to chop down the door where those tw- the kids are in, earlier in this movie, I, I had the... The idea that I was like, oh, this is like from The Shining. But I think as we discussed, The that. Shining came out a year after this movie. Yeah. And the books came out the same year. The Shining by Stephen King came out in 77. And Amityville Horror book came out in 77. And it's weird because like in the, I think in the book, he actually doesn't even have an axe. He has a mallet. Mm, in what's The Shining? In yeah. The Shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess Kubrick, gosh, he uh, plagiarized Amityville Horror and took the axe. I think that's the main message here. I mean, he made a better movie, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just taking shots of Amityville Horror because it's just like boring <laughs> and just stuff happen- stuff happening that didn't make sense. And then like, I thought he was seeing like a cat. But then you pointed out that it was like a pig. Yeah, it's Jody. Like, it's Jody. Mm-hmm. 
Why a pig? I don't get that. Apparently, that's from the what the daughter saw. The yeah, like the real events was the daughter saw or talked to Jody, but nobody saw Jody, who was this, this ghost. Yeah. But then the father looked up into the window and saw the pig or whatever, and that was Jody. That's the embodiment of Jody. Is this weird like demonic pig thing? I wonder if pig has like a something to do with the occult. Like, has it an occult like? symbol or something i don't know i don't know anything about it good i don't know and then there's that infamous scene that i think with the priest like trying to bless the house mm-hmm. with the flies you briefly brought that up earlier but it made me think of scary movie 2 because <laughs> they, they they parody that while the priest is taking a shit in scary movie mm-hmm. 2 and then when i finally see this movie i'm like oh this is the movie that's from because uh I always assumed it was from The Exorcist because the whole beginning of Scary Movie 2 is making fun of The Exorcist except for that one scene. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it speaks to, like, I guess the horror movies of that, that same era. Like, 73 was The Exorcist. This is 79. But, like, The Omen came out in that period. All those really, like, yeah. haunted house, demonic possession, religious-type films that are... I wouldn't say too crazy pop, but like kind of like The Conjuring, or they're in that that same subgenre right now. No, yeah, there's there's definitely like a tired factor that horror genre has seen. Like before Halloween came out and established the slasher genre, yeah. like it was all like possessions and like demons and ghosts, and people were again like really tired of that because mm-hmm. it was just like so many. I mean, and like like. Rosemary's Baby, like we talked about, that it came out like a decade before this, yeah. and there was stuff even going further, like in the fifties. Like I think you recommended the Bad Seed, which has kind of got like similar elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're going back, like you're talking about like thirty years of horror doing almost the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true, and just a small different variation. I would mention as a plus of this film um, is the score which I don't think really gets talked yeah. about a lot in terms of horror it's not the best but it is I think um, a good horror score it has those kind of like lullaby-ish sounds to it similar to like how the exorcist has those kind of faint hints of that as well and gets that just eerie ominous feeling yeah like, this movie succeeded at that in making the house look creepy. Like, the house generally looked creepy because they made it look like it had a face. And then... That, but, like, that's really the only upside. Yeah. <laughs> and he just had, like, weird characters. Like, the wife of his best friend was like, I don't go in there. <laughs> I'm a I'm a tune to this kind of thing. And I'm just like... <laughs> this movie lost me, like, a long time ago. And you got like a fucking like whodunit angle with the detective who doesn't do anything. Oh, like yeah. a, talk about the most like it was like character. <laughs> who I don't even know if it was just like trying to be nor like or a detective movie. It was very strange and like you even saw it a little bit in the beginning when after the murders happen, like the the two police are like, oh, what are you doing here, Saj? And then he says some, like, crazy, like, comment that I can't remember. (laughs) I think they were just trying to be too faithful to the book. And, like, 
get everything in there and I'm sure there was like the, the police officer who did the investigation and then there was the priest who tried to bless the house and there was the family and they just tried to all jam it into this movie which is like two hours <clears> long <throat> as well I think it's like just under it's a that's a long ghost yeah. movie <laughs> and so they were just like trying to make sure they got all the details and some of the, like the stuff didn't fully develop like the police officers uh, B plot or C-plot, really, because the, the priest is yeah. the B-plot. Yeah, who goes blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the stri- and then, what happened to the young priest? Do we know what happened to him? The last we saw him was when the priest was down by, like, under the bridge or whatever, and he wasn't really talking to him, and the cop was like, hey, do you know anything about Father, you know, whatever? He's like, nope, don't know anything. And then he kind of like walked off. I think it's the last time we saw the young priest. Was there a nun too? It's very weird. Nuns involved. Oh yeah, that was um, that's Margot Kiddo's like aunt. Oh yeah, that's right. I totally forgot. I forgot about her. Like she like, is, like she like gets sick in the house. She had to, like to leave, and then you don't really see her after that. Like. It was weird because they were supposed to have like family over, and then they then they go to a wedding for her brother. M- her brother, yeah, and then they lose the money, but like, and that didn't really turn out to anything. <laughs> it just showed George being more of a bully. And yeah. Sick. <laughs> Trying to make him more into a villain that didn't like have a payoff. Yeah. Because there was never that moment, with him at least, where, you know, he hit Margot Kidder and, like, he seemed like he was, like, losing it from time to time. Just from being in the house and, like, work, where I was waiting for that shining moment where it's like, oh, he snapped. And, like, there was going to be this big ending with, like, this ghost house. But it kind of seemed like he snapped out of that right as the climax was happening. And he's like, let's get out of here. And they just, like, walked out the front door. I was like, okay. That was... (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Say I do think, and this is a side tangent, that it's interesting around the same period is Rosemary's Baby and Amityville Horror, two adaptations, two very different critical successes in terms of, uh, I guess, in the horror genre. Rosemary's Baby is regarded as a very great horror film. This one's more of a cult favorite in the, in the series is. Um, and they're both this one was at least financially successful that's true this one was I think is still or it was at least the uh, the highest grossing independent film even over uh, Halloween <laughs> in 78 would have expected that yeah. I thought I thought Blair Rich beat that it might have but I, I just know for the time and for a while this one was yeah I mean, definitely, like, Blair Witch comes to mind, and Paranormal Activity also comes to mind, because those movies made a shit ton of money for, like, no budget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really have anything else to say about this movie, because uh, there's not a whole lot going on. Just, like, I mean, there is stuff going on, but you just can't really, like, figure out what it's really about, because it's just, like, it's, like, basing off real accounts, in quotation marks, uh, of from this family... The Lutz family. And they just... It seems like just, like, emulating their, like, accounts... Like... 
up there on the screen and then you can't really like make out like if it makes any sense because it like I feel like if you just made like a normal paranormal movie it would make more sense because they like try and like tie it in better but this is based off like observations that it like <laughs> like you can't really be explained because like paranormal stuff can't be explained at least like to the people who like believe in that stuff yeah. like it just like it's like their psyche like fucking with them or whatever no that that's very true and i think that goes with why in the history of horror films like the shining is seen as a better kind of haunted house one than this where it's those elements of you know if you believe in the paranormal it's scary but it's got to be also is the psyche breaking in that distinction between reality and like uh, what's supernatural and i think what kubrick does really well is you don't ever really know if you know he's possessed or something and it always just kind of feels like that the whole overlook hotel is in paranoia all the time and you just constantly feel that atmosphere with this one there's so many breaks and they leave the house so often that 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 tension gets broke and then you have to go back to the house and rebuild it all again so I think that kind of like downplays why it's scary. But that reach of that house, though, can apparently reach the priest at his church uh, miles yeah. and miles away or over the phone. So <laughs> that's something. Or when they're driving. Yeah, so. so I had a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. So... That means I destroyed this movie. Because <laughs> it's just going right into it. Because I thought it sucked. Um, I, I think you said it, Matt, that like there's no payoff to this movie. kind of just like ends abruptly. Which is like it, fine for certain movies. But it just didn't work out for this movie. Because there was so much buildup. And then it's like, oh, they left. They left all their stuff there. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and they never returned again. Yeah. No one dies, which is oh, yeah. fine. You know, you don't have, to have like deaths. You know, the body have to, you don't have the yeah. deaths in a in a movie to have a good mm-hmm. movie. But like, there's almost like no stakes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Besides, I guess the priest getting blind, but yeah. I don't know. But that's somebody he, outside. He gets sent of, off to somewhere nice. <laughs> of, that's somebody outside of the family. That's not even you know our main characters. So yeah, I'll mention. Um, some of the sequels and, and spinoffs, I guess, if you will, because um, that's something we've done in the past. Um, we have the Amityville Horror in 79, Amityville 2, The Possession in 82. Following year in 83, you have Amityville 3D, which was like a staple for, I feel like, the third movie in any 80s horror series back in the day was to make it called 3D. Amityville 4 is The Evil Escapes in 89. Amityville Curse in 90. Amityville 1992, it's about time in 1992. Amityville A New Generation 93, Amityville Dollhouse 96, Amityville Horror 2005, Amityville The Awakening 2017. October 28th, almost a year ago today. Uh, Are you Amityville. serious? That's all. And I did not mention, no I did, I did mention the remake. Yeah, that's all of them. Yeah, the one with Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Oh my Clark's. god. How could a movie this bad live such a long, like, nine lives, like, times, like, ten? Uh, 
It's got more than nine lives. It just keeps on going. I feel like it doesn't make that much money either. No. Like, I didn't hear anything about that re- remake or whatever the hell that was in last year. Didn't hear anything it about it. It had limited theatrical release. The Ryan Reynolds ones had a, a theatrical release. That one was pretty big or had enough marketing behind it. But yeah, the one after 3D, which is Amityville 4 through 5, 6, 7, and 8, four of those were direct-to-video and one was a TV film. Oh, God. I'm starting to understand a little bit more. And some of them are still hard to find. They're only on VHS. So. That's fine. They could stay there. <laughs> They could be in some weirdo's collection for all I care. <laughs> With he just has like a, it's all in his basement, and he has like a mustache. Yeah, you know. He's probably a, hu- He's a, a huge fan for sure. Yeah. He loves the series. <laughs> I'm going to destroy Amityville Horror. I think I feel like it's been a while since I've destroyed a film. I used to do it quite often, but uh, I'm gonna. D- yeah, I'm going to bring it back. Um, yeah, I mean, I know people might be familiar with this movie in the horror genre, but going back and watching it, it a lot of things you mentioned, the pacing was kind of off. The storyline didn't really run really well together. I wanted more of an ending, more of that build-up, more scare. And I kind of got that feeling of, as I mentioned, other movies of the time that I might have liked better, like The Shining or The Exorcist. It has a, or the omen. Yeah, it has those haunted house supernatural feelings that are done just a little better. I will give it that I thought the score was really well, and I thought they did a really good job, at least of making the house look ominous, like those angry eye windows. Yeah, that was a really nice touch. But on the whole, I would destroy the Amityville Horror. Well, I'm not just saying this because Matt said it. I, like, had my opinion, you know, previously. But, um, you know, I'm I'm with you on the defend, uh, or the destroy, actually, because you didn't defend it. Um, I felt like it lasted too long, and um, it felt like homework, even though I was the one that picked the movie. And um, overall, all I have to say, like, it's probably going to be a thumbs down for me. Like, I think... There were some good parts, there were some good elements, um, but it was kind of just too all over the place. Um, so yeah, solid destroy. Well, that's a unanimous destroy from us over here at the It Records podcast. You know, get at us. We are on social media. <laughs> Let us know what you're thinking, and we'll probably get a blog post out soon. I mean, I'll be resting up because of my recent surgery, so I'll have time to do things. But until next time, I'm Matt Johnson, <laughs> in the shadows. I'm Lindsay Clark. Bye. I'm Peter, and I'm taking a tagline on this movie saying, get out, and get out of watching this movie. <laughs>